Sunday this morning. You'll go back to the little chapel in the foyer. Uh, you'll be served at this time. All right.
proves God made everything. Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 and 4. Every house is built by someone. begin tonight by welcoming everybody to our uh, Sunday evening services. Uh, we are looking forward to our Bible classes tonight, and I hope you are as well. We appreciate the fact that you've chosen to be here, and we do have guests tonight. We're always very honored to welcome those to our services, our guests, and we want you to know that we mean that and uh, give us a chance to express that to you uh, before you leave. Uh, just a few uh, reminders and updates before we uh, go to our classes tonight. Uh, I do want to mention the Golden Circle Breakfast tomorrow morning at the pit stop. The bus will leave at 8.30. Uh, 
Uh, also, there's going to be a meeting of lads to leaders, event leaders, and any adults that would like to help uh, Sunday evening, September the 10th, following class, make your plans uh, to be there. I do want to mention a brief word about polishing the pulpit. I enjoyed very much being a part of that. I know Luther and Joan were there as well. It's just an outstanding week, and uh, there'll be an opportunity for you uh, free of charge to uh, be able to listen to all those lessons online. We'll be making that opportunity available to you very, very soon. So please keep that in mind. I believe that's all the announcements that I have tonight. I want us to close in prayer, and then I'm going to lead us in a song for our teachers to go to class. Will you bow with me? Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to you for all that you do for us. We're mindful that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, and without you and your bountiful grace and mercy, we would be nothing, we would have nothing. Father, there's so many that we know that are sick tonight, those that need our prayers, and Father, we pray that you would bless them and those that are attending to their needs. And again, Father, to those who are grieving over the loss of loved ones, we ask that uh, you would comfort them and bring them the strength and consolation that they need. And Father, for those who've recently uh, made a confession of wrong and a desire to serve you faithfully, whether publicly or privately, Father, we pray that you will continue to bless them. And Father, we pray that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we'll always uh, have our eyes on other people and try to provide the encouragement and the edification that we need one toward another. Father, bless us in our Bible studies tonight. Uh, we are so grateful for your son who gave his life on the cross for our sins, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, teachers, you can go to class now. Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world.
necessarily go over those, but I want you to have it. It's going to help you with your reading, right? Remember, we're going to be speed readers. <laughs> so you're going to review the reader's guide, which is very short. And then I have a synopsis of the whole book. And you've got the major points throughout the book. If you'll read those, you'll have a great understanding of what's going on in the book. And then when you actually sit down to read it, it'll just... Wow, it'll be enlightening. Yes, that's what we want. Okay, there's some hands around here. Yeah, they're already separated. You see how that, yeah. So you just hand them. The thing to have three sheets in them. Okay, I have, have these folks on a prayer list we're going to be praying about. And the list, it fluctuates. Some people get off this list and others were adding... I have some new names here, so we'll be praying about them in a little bit. Irene Baker has terminal cancer, so we're praying for her and also for her family. She's in a lot of pain now. Austin Wentz is undergoing treatments for cancer. And he gets those about every other week or so. Wade Davis is still missing since last year, June 22nd. Bobby Petty has cancer. Paul Rollison has cancer. Lex and Regina Crossan have health issues. Marty and Donna Woodruff both have cancer. Eli Johnson is taking treatments for cancer. John Roten has Parkinson's and Langford has several health problems. Emma Hutton has cancer. Paula Nichols, Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller all have cancer. Lauren Brumley is coming to her delivery date. So we're praying that everything goes well with her and the baby. Linda Garrett's beginning a new phase in her treatment. She's going to be taking radiation for about a month every day starting on Wednesday. So we pray that all that goes well. She gets the results they're hoping for. Barbara Foster has cancer. Dave and Lynette, we're praying for. They're dealing with some problems. Larry Muse has colon cancer, is very sick. Lennox Kenimer is five years old, has leukemia. Michael McBrayer is taking trips to St. Jude with uh, cancer. Sybil Tollison is Jerry Ligon's neighbor. She has Alzheimer's. Jeremy Owens is making progress. Sherry Floyd is recovering from injuries to her legs. Loxley Eaton is taking treatments for cancer. Joanne Roberts has severe neuropathy in her hands and feet. Randy Stutz, was he here today? Okay, Randy's doing great. Uh, so pray that he'll have a full recovery from his surgery. Gabe George is in the hospital right now. He's under Abby's care. Eddie Kraft has cancer. Uh, he's been going to Duke for treatment. 
Truva Brown's brother Michael's in rehab. Madonna Cook was here today. Is she, she here tonight? Did no. Uh, but she was here and uh, seems to be doing well following her back surgery. Jayla Ross, is she still in a coma? She had been last talk. They're doing therapy with her, but she has not regained consciousness. Susan Wood has breast cancer. Chester Donovan, better. Did he get some kind of treatment? Okay. All right. Johnny Derrick has lung cancer. Wanda Devon is Mickey Scott's sister. She's been dealing with blood clots and uh, also has Alzheimer's. Uh, Ken was saying she's about the same. Uh, Flora, her situation getting better? Okay, getting better. Just hanging on to that. All right. Uh, Jody Smith's mother, Shirley, she's recovering from heart attack. I don't know when Jody's coming back, but glad she could be out there with her. Uh, ben Roberts has been having really bad back problems, and he is going to be getting an MRI, and they're going to try and figure out what, what exactly the issue is. Sammy Barnett has a spot on the kidney undergoing tests. How's Pat? Okay, so she, is she beyond the COVID? Okay, she's got a lot of things going on. Okay. Uh, Brian's back. Brian seems to be doing great. And we're just so thankful. That resolved itself for now anyway. Uh, Lawan Ost has returned home. So we're glad for that. Um, Brenda is back there. I see her. You doing Okay. All right, she had some surgery. Uh, Larry Morgan had surgery. He has uh, returned home. Joyce Morris is recovering from a stroke. Sue Mason's had, I saw Sue, Sue, you're having knee replacement tomorrow? 745, okay. Monique Brown is a friend of Missy Barnett. She's been diagnosed with breast cancer. Billy Martin has a friend, Christy Nash. She's dealing with a debilitating disease. Prognosis is not good at all. And by the way, Billy's not here today. He has COVID. Norma Hemwell's very sick. She lives with Joan and Luther. Um, that's also Martha's sister. Luther has COVID. COVID's going around pretty strong right now. He was pretty sick. I think they have a medication they give you that basically stops its progression, but wherever you were is kind of how you're feeling. So he's dealing with some of that. So will the gardener's son-in-law, this is David Wentz, who is actually, remember we talked about Austin, he's been taking treatments for a while, but David, his dad, developed meningitis, and he's been pretty sick. Uh, Jack Elliott's not doing well, had a heart attack, has some kidney issues, and that is Brandon Elliott's uncle. I mentioned Joey Jamison this morning. Uh, he's having surgery on Wednesday. Uh, something about a heart valve, I think. Chopper and Brenda Taylor's grandson's girlfriend, Danielle Leatherwood, found her three-week-old baby uh, dead yesterday. Ray Benson's aunt, Levita, 
is going in for some serious surgery tomorrow. And I mentioned Larry, this, this was uh, the announcement I made this morning, but he's doing a lot better. We're glad for that. Do you have anybody else you want to put on the list? Yes. Okay, anybody else? All right, let's pray for these folks and then we'll begin our study. Our Father, thank you so much for your many blessings today. Thank you for giving us these opportunities to study together, just to enjoy fellowship with one another. And thank you for the, the things we can invest ourselves in together like we're doing in this class, reading through books of wisdom. And thank you, Lord, for what can be the outgrowth of that study. Just help us be diligent in, in digging into your word. Pray for these people who are sick. And of course, it's our will that they get better. But we put all these things in your hands. And we just thank you for the attention that you give to our concerns. We do pray that Irene Baker, uh, despite her terminal condition, that she can have good days with her family. We pray for Austin Wentz in his treatments. We ask your blessings on the Davis family and comfort for them. Closure, if it's your will. We pray for Bobby Petty, who has cancer. Bless Paul Rollison, who also has cancer. Pray for the Crossons, that their health would improve. Be with Marty and Donna Woodruff, who both have cancer. Pray for Eli Johnson and his treatments, that he can bear up under that. Be with John Roten, that he'll have good days. And bless Peggy, too, as she recovers from her recent sickness. Bless Ann Langford and her many problems. Be with Emma Hutton, who has cancer, and Paul Nichols. We pray for Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller, who have cancer. Be with Lauren as she goes through the days and weeks of her pregnancy, and we pray health for her and for the baby. Be with Linda Garrett as she's transitioning to another type of treatment. We pray she can bear all of that and that she gets great results in the end. We pray for Barbara Foster who has cancer. Be with the Woodrows as they're dealing with several issues. Be with Larry Muse. As he battles cancer, bless Lennox Kinnamer and Micah McBrayer and their families as they both battle cancer. Bless Sybil Tollison, who has Alzheimer's, and be with her caregivers. We pray for Jer Jeremy Owens in his recovery. Bless Sherry Floyd, that she'll recover and be back on her feet consistently again. We pray for Loxley Eaton, who's taking treatments. Be with Joanne Roberts, that she can receive a treatment that will... Uh, bring sensitivity back to her extremities. We thank you that Randy Suss is doing well. And we pray a full recovery for him from his surgery. We pray for Gabe Georgian for his care, and we ask your blessings on Abby. We pray your blessings on Eddie Kraft as he is seeking treatment for his cancer. 
be with Treva Brown's brother Michael as he goes through rehab, be with Madonna Cook as she recovers from her back surgery. We pray for Jayla Ross and her family in these long days as she has been unconscious in, in a coma. We just pray, Lord, something will reverse the effects of her injuries. We pray for Susan Wood as she battles cancer, be with Chester Donovan, and we're thankful that medication was beneficial in his case. We pray that he'll feel well soon. Be with Johnny Derrick has lung cancer. Be with Wanda Devon, who's been dealing with blood clots and also has Alzheimer's. <clears throat> pray for Flora Warner, and we're thankful that her condition has improved with her uh, living circumstances. We just pray she'll settle in and, and uh, adjust to all that. Pray for Shirley Phillips. She can have a full recovery and be back to normal, normal things. <clears throat> we pray for Ben Roberts, who's been having back trouble. Pray relief for him and also a diagnosis that, that's treatable. Be with Sammy Barnett as un undergoing some tests. We pray for Pat Cooper has several health problems. We pray just relief from those things. We're thankful Brian's doing so much better. We pray he's having a full recovery too and he can get back to work and uh, normal things. Bless LaJuan that she can also get back to work soon, which is what she's so passionate about. Pray for Brenda Dawson and her surgery, and we pray that she'll have full recovery. Bless Larry Morgan in his recovery. Be with Joyce Morris. We pray she can be back with us real soon. Be with Sue as she has this surgery tomorrow. We pray it's a great success and gives her freedom from pain and other relief that she's hoping for. Bless Monique Brown, who has breast cancer. Be with Billy Martin's friend, who has the a uh, terrible diagnosis, and be with Billy. Uh, help him recover from his sickness. Pray for Norma Hemwell, who's been sick, and Jones care for her, and be with Luther. Pray he'll recover soon and be back to normal. Pray for Wilda's son-in-law, David, who has meningitis, and we just pray he'll do well with his treatment. Be with Jack Elliott, who's not doing well, uh, and bless Brandon in his care for his uncle. We pray for Joey Jamison as he has surgery Wednesday. We pray it's a success and uh, that his health will return to him. Uh, be with um, Danielle Leatherwood uh, in her grieving. We pray for Ray Benson's Aunt Levita as she has surgery tomorrow. Bless Sandra McVeigh who has pancreatic cancer and is very sick. We pray just your comfort for her, uh, freedom from pain, and uh, good days. Uh, be with us, Lord, as we continue our study. I pray that you'll help us to um, be familiar enough with, with the content of these books that will we'll grow in, in our knowledge, our appreciation of the things that you express for us, and that in, in studying them and reading them and meditating upon them that we will become wise. And especially tonight as we talk about the book of Job, I pray, Lord, you'll help us to really, really appreciate you more than ever, who you are as God and
our relation to you, the freedom you've given us, but the circumstances that we face as a result of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been reading, and by the way, has anybody, anybody finished reading through the book of Job yet? Okay, about three of you. Okay, let's stop right here. Are you joking? Kind of joking? If you're not joking, here's what I hope you'll do. And that is read the book. I mean, it's not really that long. It's only 42 chapters. What? Yeah, okay, 42 chapters, but they go quickly. <laughs> and you'd be surprised. Like, you, did you know the, the entire New Testament, for instance? You can read the entire New Testament at a reasonable reading pace in about 19 hours. Now, most people think, well, it takes a whole year to read that, but it's not true. And think, if you partitioned your week out, you could read through the New Testament in no time at all. 19 hours, that's, that's really nothing. Now, I haven't, I haven't timed out how, how long it takes to read the book of Job, but it's only going to take you a few hours, and you'll, you'll be richly blessed. How do I know that? Because God said that you would be. So, okay, happy face. I'm going to read that book. Yes, Marilyn? It is because of all those big words in it? Or? Okay, no. Uh, but uh, that's, that's part of, uh, good point. It, it, it can, okay, it can, be, it can be difficult to grasp some things, and, and here's why. I touched on this a little bit before. It's because it's written to a culture and people saw things a little differently from us. He'll talk about uh, natural phenomena, that they would see every day, we, we don't see. Or he'll, you know how we use figures of speech? I go in a foreign country and I, I talk about, you know, they're, they're as, let's see, they're hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. We were using that here a moment ago. And they look at me like, what? A hair in a biscuit? First of all, they think biscuits are cookies. Okay, not our fluffy biscuits. But secondly, they take, because they don't know that that's a figure of speech, they take that very literally. And so that's kind of a, a put off to them. Or if I talk about, well, I was in Atlanta the other weekend and you know, on our side, there were eight lanes of traffic. Well, they begin to do the math. If there's eight lanes on this side, there must be eight lanes on the, that's 16 lanes of traffic. What? Well, when you're talking to people who are accustomed to driving on roads that are basically two ruts where the tires go, they don't, it's inconceivable in a lot of ways. So there is some of that when you read these books because keeping in mind that they're written in, in, in a different time. But what, I'm, what I've tried to do with the reader's guide and with the synopsis of those books is to try and help you pace through that. So if you read those, I'm not including a lot of that jargon that they would have used in their time. I'm just kind of giving you the sense of it. My thinking is that if you will familiarize yourself with those first, then when you get to that, you may not understand everything that's going on there, but you will you will see some things developing. As I'll, tr I'll share with you tonight, some things I think are pretty special about the book 
that gets to the root of what this book is really about, and that is the situation of suffering. So that's a good observation, but do not be afraid. Well, good. I'm glad. It's only like five pages long, so at least read that, okay? Um, so we want to get this because God has said, you do this, you're going to benefit. And you're going to see things in there. You're going to see things in there that are going to really be helpful. And if you understand who's talking and what's going on, you'll get, this, you'll get the sense of what's developing in, in that book. It's different. The book of Job is different, especially as you're beginning wisdom literature, because up until this point, all the books that we have been reading from Genesis all the way through have been historical types of books. Now, those can be confusing, too, but it's easier in the sense that it's basically a story that unfolds. This is also a story. However, the story then develops into what is a theological discussion about suffering and why you are suffering. And sometimes that part of it is hard to grasp. So a lot of times we start at the beginning and then we finish over here in the end. We miss a lot of the stuff that's happening in the middle that helps us to appreciate mindsets. And I will just tell you, as you read through it, you're gonna hear some things said by some of these actors, some of these participants, that maybe you've said yourself, or some conception about your relationship with God and how he acts with you that maybe has you thought was true, but you're gonna find out isn't necessary, necessarily true. Now we're gonna deal with uh, Eliphaz, he's going he's gonna to give a speech. We're going to use Bildad and Zophar. These are great friends, three great friends of Job. I say that they are great friends because Job has already suffered tremendous loss. And these three friends hear about his wailing and about the depressed situation that he is in, about how basically all is lost and they come to their friend. They do not come initially with any suggestions or um, any, any of their perceptions of, of how they think things are. They are so concerned about their friend that they come and they basically just sit silently with him for seven days and seven nights. I don't know if you have friends like that, but these were people who genuinely cared and they wanted to be there for their friend. They want to be there for him, but they weren't going to interject anything into this situation until they kind of assessed it. And what you get is the idea that essentially they feel like Job offers them permission to be able to speak. Now, I mentioned those three friends. There's also another person that offers suggestions initially, and, and that is his, his own wife. And I would remind us that as much as we talk about Job and his perseverance and the difficulties that he faces, very little is ever said about the fact that aside from the physical aspect of it, everything that Job lost, his wife also what? She also lost everything. And I don't know about you, I would much rather personally suffer physical hurt and injury than to see 
For instance, my wife or one of my children suffer it. Is anybody else there with me? So I'm, you know, we need to, we need to cut Mrs. Job a little slack in what she has to say to Job in terms of her quote unquote encouragement <laughs> because she tells him, you know what, Job, situation is dire. Here's, here's what I think you ought to do. Curse God and die. Now, his response to her is going to be a central point in our understanding of the book. But I always thought, first time I ever heard that, I thought, wow, what nerve. But the more I've thought about it, the more I kind of appreciate the sentiment. And that is, I don't want to see you suffer like this anymore. So we have a book that is shocking in the sense that it doesn't carry on the history of Israel. It basically stops and deals with maybe the greatest consideration of all time. And that is the challenge that all of us have with regard to understanding how it is that God deals with us. Everybody, and I'm not just talking about people who believe in God. Everybody, every human in their lifetime is going to experience some degree of suffering. Everybody. That is the nature of being human. In fact, that was basically the penalty, although it comes in all shapes and sizes, but that was basically the penalty that was enacted when they were escorted out of the Garden of Eden. That was an idyllic environment, but as they leave that idyllic environment, they are separated from the tree of life and everything that they tried to do. I mean, they're going to have to make food, right? And so they're going to have to plant. But even that, which came easy in that garden, is now going to be fraught with toil and sorrow. Uh, giving birth was going to be a traumatic experience. So everything after their leaving the garden was a cursed existence. And that cursed existence with the injection there of sin as well resulted in all kinds of calamity for humanity. And what has ensued after that, even into our time, is a result not, not of God's actions against us, but because of the consequences of sin. So we have these three friends that come to Job, and then we've noticed the situation with the wife. I wanted, I wanted to look at these friends and I wanted, to, I wanted to point out to you some of the things that they had to say to Job to kind of get you a flavor of what was going on here. So I have the wife who says, well, my suggestion is, you know, this is bad. Uh, I hate to see you suffer. How about curse God and die? In Job chapter 4 and verse 3, Eliphaz, who is the first of the three friends who's offering up suggestions begins by, by blaming Job for his circumstances. This is from Job chapter four, verses three and four. He says, surely you have instructed many and you've strengthened weak hands. Your words have upheld him who was stumbling and you've strengthened the feeble knees. What a great friend. He looks at Job, he says, you know what? On the surface, most of us know you're, you're a good guy. I mean, we know that. Your reputation is that you, you take care of people. You're a good friend, just like we're trying to be a good friend to you. 
But he says, you know what? That's on your surface. In verse 7 and 8, he says, remember now, whoever perished from being innocent? Or where were the upright ever cut off? Even as I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Friend number one, you know what? You seem like a good guy. But anybody who suffers like you are suffering, clearly something's going on that we don't know about. Nobody ever heard of the righteous ever suffering iniquity like you do. You must be guilty of some sin. The perception of that time was if you're suffering, you're suffering because God is punishing you. And if God is punishing you, there must be some underlying sin that is the catalyst for that. That's perception number one. Number two, this is from Bildad. And by the way, Bildad is the shoe height. If you're ever in one of those question games where they ask who's the shortest guy in the Bible, just say Bildad the shoe height. You know, only as high as a shoe. Okay, that was for free. So Job chapter 8 and verse 20. See, God will not reject a blameless person nor take the hand of evildoers. Okay, so Bildad is following up on Eliphaz's assertion that there's something going on here that's hidden. So now we get, wait a minute. You know God never takes the hands of those who are working iniquity. That's pretty much a clue as to what's going on with you. Getting deeper and deeper. And then the third friend so far. This is from Job 11 verses 14 and 15. If iniquity is in your hand, he says, put it far away. Do not let wickedness reside in your tents. Surely then you will lift up your face without blemish. You'll be secure and will not fear. Your life will be brighter than noonday. You ever had a friend like that? It's like, okay, uh, assertion number one, you're guilty, but we don't know what your problem is, but you're hiding it. Number two, yeah, you know, God would never, never hold hands with somebody that's in iniquity. Clearly that's you. Number three, you know what? I'm on your side, but it would be a lot easier and better for you if you just kind of went ahead and admitted what it was. You got a friend like that? Just kind of wants to go around the end there and warm up to you, get you to confess, leaving a door open for your action. All three of these are offering this. Now, here's what Job does. Job says, you guys have this all wrong. I'm not a person of iniquity. I haven't committed sin. And so as a result of that, we have this from Job chapter two, verses nine and 10. Job asserts his righteousness in the face of his friends who are accusative. They want to get to the bottom of it, admit your sin, God will be merciful to you. Maybe, maybe even he'll restore some of the good things, but you've got to come clean. Job knows in his own heart that there isn't anything overt about his actions. Isn't anything somebody can, can testify to. He's even perplexed about the situation. So his wife Ultimately, following this, his friends, everybody is offering up these accusations because their thinking is, and by the way, their wrong thinking, is that God always punishes sinful action 
with some kind of physical manifestation. I love, and this is in response to what his wife had said, so we'll pick up back there, but I, I love this because this actually tells us a lot about what we need to know concerning Job. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Stop right there. And by the way, that's the very thing about Job, right? It's his integrity. Despite even his own misconceptions about how God deals with people, still he wasn't, he wasn't going to turn on God. He's going to remain, quote unquote, faithful. So do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. He says to her, and this is very important and it's very subtle. You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. You know better, he's saying. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Okay, so first gloss, that sounds pretty wise. I mean, that, that's the story. Life is filled with good and bad. Uh, we trust God and so, you know, there are blessings and there are cursings. What is wrong with the statement that Job is making right here? The first part makes pretty good sense. Shall we not accept the good? Yeah. I'll do it this way. Absolutely. But he says in, second, in the second phrase, shall we not accept adversity as well? What is Job's perception about how God deals with people? He is responsible for what is happening to you, whether good or bad. Job's thinking was, well, yeah, this probably is from God. I don't know what I've done, but I'm just going to what? I'm just going to accept it. I'm going to be faithful in the sense that, okay, the only, in effect, the only difference between the thinking of Job's wife and three friends and actually his thinking is that the only difference is that Job says, wait a minute, I'm not guilty of anything. It's not like I did something. I do believe that God is the administrator of either good or bad things. I'm with you guys there. It's just that I really don't know what it is that I have done. And so, and this is a thing that's going to go through it as well which eventually a man by the name of Elihu is going to take up. Job's defense is, well, since I don't know why God's doing this, then I am going to question God. The only problem is God doesn't respond to me. And so I'm in this quandary. I'm really upset about it. That's the story of the book of Job. It majors in the misconceptions of those three guys but it comes down to Job's misconception of what God is really doing. And when he questions God and God doesn't respond, then we get the frustrating picture of the book. Now, there are two things to remember as regards suffering. Since you can't have a behind the scenes picture like we have here in the book of Job, for instance, we know why Job is suffering these things, right? Satan has come into God's presence and he says, hey, okay. God says, you consider my servant Job? Yeah, I've considered him, but you've got a hedge around him. And of course he's going to be faithful to you. How about we take that hedge away and I'm going to afflict him 
and then we'll see whether he's faithful or not. And he remained faithful. Satan says, you know what? Skin for skin. If you would just allow me to afflict him physically, I mean, literally make the guy sick, then I'm pretty sure that he is going to, you know, turn his back on you. That didn't work either, which then resulted in this big discussion amongst the friends. R remember, remember that since you can't know all of that, you can't know why it is that the circumstances of your life are as they are, uh, the, the struggles that you have or the seeming roadblocks that are constantly in your way. Since you can't know that, what we learn ultimately in the book of Job is that despite our misconceptions and despite our lack of truly knowing where all of this comes from, the one thing that we always can do is trust God for the outcome. Always trust God. Now, there are two texts of scripture that I want you to always to remember. One of them we actually examined together on a Sunday morning. That is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul, of all people, is challenged with some kind of thorn in the flesh. And people spend their time trying to ascertain what that was exactly. Peace, it doesn't really matter. The lesson is what matters. And the lesson is this. Paul goes to the Lord. He says three different times, hey, I, I want this removed because if this were removed, man, I would be like, wow, as a servant of yours. Okay, that's great. Except that when you become the wow, you're going to forget what? You're going to forget who, who put you there. And so here's the response that the Lord makes. My grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect. What? In weakness. Well, what weakness? Uh, affliction by God or from some other place? There are two different kinds of quote unquote evils. And unfortunately, many of, most of the time, the Bible doesn't differentiate for us. We just have to look at the context, trying to understand what the evil is. There are two different kinds. One is a moral evil that is simply S-I-N. When God sees the sin, that's evil. But sometimes the word evil is used to describe calamities or destruction. Evil has befallen someone. There wasn't sin that befell them. There was just something bad that happened. What we tend to do and what Job, although he didn't know what the source of it was, Job and his three friends and even his wife tend to do is mingle them. And we're like, well, okay, so something has befallen me, some quote unquote evil. Therefore, I immediately take the evil and I assign some kind of morality to it. What have I, whoops, sorry. What have I done? You know, what sin have I committed? Well, that doesn't necessarily follow. If I go out here and I'm going to do a good deed. So I see one of you coming. I'm going to open the door for you. But in the process of opening the door, I crunch my toe and break it. Well, was that a punishment for some evil that was done? I, that doesn't follow. So sometimes consequences happen as a result of our actions. Sometimes consequences come as a result of our sins. But mixing a natural evil or, or action that has occurred with a moral action is what oftentimes causes the problem in understanding about God's involvement in it. So Jesus said, yes. Even in the New Testament, uh, 
13th chapter, I think, where they had the tower that fell on the people and the 18 people got killed. Yes. They wanted to know who sinned. Who's, who, who sinned that this has befallen them? And Jesus like, you know what? They were no more righteous than it, or no more sinners than anybody else. Things just happen. Yes, ma'am. Well, now that's interesting as well, because what was sin oftentimes equated with? Sin does spiritually the same thing that leprosy does physically, yes? And so, yeah, oftentimes they thought that was an affliction by God. In fact, in fact oftentimes if you are freed of your leprosy, what were you immediately supposed to go do? Carry yourself to the priest, make an offering because there was such a, such a connection in their mind uh, between the two. So yeah, it, it. Yes, could be. Yeah, and I hadn't even made that connection myself, but the sense that my affliction that's come out of the blue and look at not just the physical, right? I've lost all my children. Basically everything that's important to me, my, my herds, they're all wiped out. Clearly this wasn't an accident. And so I draw the conclusion, I mean, I didn't see anybody else do this to me. So it must have been God. God must have brought this about. In fact, that accusation wasn't true, right? God did not do that to him. Say, Satan's hand was in this. Yeah, that is, that is oftentimes the nugget of truth that you find in these stories of faith, isn't it? I don't really know how the thing's going to turn out with Job. I don't know. Am I going to die from this? You know, what's going to happen? I do not know. But one thing I do know is despite everything else, I am going to remain faithful to God. Abraham, I don't know where he's taken us, but I'm going to leave behind my homeland, uh, my territories. I'm going to gather us up. We're going to hit the road and we're going to go. I don't know where it is that we're going, but I trust God. Uh, the other text that I was thinking about was Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, right? And we know, and I want to stop right there. If you know a thing, what does that mean? I'm absolutely confident that this is true. We know that all things work together. Stop right there. All things. Is he just talking about good things? He didn't differentiate between the good and the bad or quote unquote, as you're going to see, the evil. He says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purpose. 
Our circumstances, whatever they are, you, you, you characterize them as good or bad. Whatever our circumstances are, what is God going to work through those things? His will and a good outcome. A good outcome. You say, how many people have gotten into a situation that, that was difficult? Nobody is denying that fact, but they completely give up. What is the purpose of giving it up? If we hang in there, what does God promise that he's going to do? He is going to take care of it. He is going to bring about good out of what seems to be a terrible situation. I wanted to mention this before we, we quit. That, that tub out there, the blue one, that I was encouraging you to help those boys fill up, that thing is full. I am so thankful for this congregation and the encouragement that is going to give to those boys. Let's have a prayer. We'll be dismissed, and then um, you can get those kids. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your blessings today. Thank you, thank you for your patience with us, even in despair and difficulty. Help us to trust you. Uh, thank you for uh, the story of Job as it unfolds and the encouragement that it gives us to know that you are there despite what we may see. Help us to walk truly by faith and not by sight. Please keep us safe as we're leaving this place. Bless, bless our children. Help us to be an encouragement in this church that it will grow and that we'll be a great uh, encouragement to our community to save souls in your name. And it's in the name of your son that we pray it. Amen.